You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Davis, Simon Data CEO and co-founder and your host. I'm excited to have today Mike Royst, president of Betterment, uh, on our podcast here today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jason. Happy to be here. Thank you for thank you for coming. For our listeners who are not familiar with Betterment, can you maybe start off by sharing a little bit about yourself uh, and the business? Yeah. So let me start with the business. So Betterment is a digital wealth management platform and advisor. And we take both pretty seriously. We do actually fully vertically integrated investing management for our clients, as well as provide financial advice and guidance uh, along that journey. And that's the core longstanding business that we're best known for. But we also distribute that core platform and that advice in a couple other ways. We have our own sort of advisory platform business where we help independent financial advisors run their shops. And we also have a 401k business where we power the 401ks for a lot of companies out in the wild. So that's Betterment. That's what we do. Uh, at this scale, we manage about $30 billion for about three or about 650,000 clients. And so for me, I'm a Midwestern guy. I grew up in Indiana before pursuing a career in software engineering. I started off in Chicago and then eventually ended up in New York, hopping around startups for a little while. And I did, I've joined Betterment quite a while ago, over eight years, which sort of seems like an eternity in startups, but it's been you know really a great ride to join it from when it was 20, 30 people up to the company it's grown to today. And so I joined as a software engineer and eventually became the CTO and oversaw all things engineering for a number of years. And then at this point, my role has gotten just a little bit broader. And I, I basically think about it as overseeing all of the functions responsible for building, shipping, and operating all of our products. Great overview. And thank you. It's a, it's a great story. When I think about Betterment, I really think about access. It's about taking some very powerful financial tools and vehicles and bringing them to folks who would otherwise need you know, much more assets to affect these same outcomes, or would need to have a lot more sophistication to know where to go you know, to, to do some of the, the types of tax optimizations and other, other sort of smart financial vehicles that Betterment provides. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of complexity here. There's a lot of education for the customer. Betterment does 401ks, the personal advising, checking. Within each one of these, if you were to ask you know, one of your, you pick a random of your 650,000 customers, what all does Betterment have to offer? They probably wouldn't be able to enumerate the full list. Yeah. So how do you think about the Betterment customer experience? You know, where do people start? How do you introduce people to, to the brand and the value proposition? Yeah, and what does that look like? Yeah, it's a tough question because as that product suite has grown, as the complexity has grown, the answer to your question has gotten more complicated. I think for us, what we try to do is not just shove a giant list of, yeah, here's the menu. Here's everything we do in the world. Go to Fidelity and look at the products menu. Like that is just overwhelming. You're like, I don't know what of these 80 things to do. For us, we try to get as best a sense for what the user is actually trying to accomplish, what their actual intent is as early as possible in the customer journey. Sometimes that's easy because they clicked on a performance marketing ad and they told us like, yeah, I'm actually interested in that investing product. And if they click that, we'll send them through a guided experience where even, even signup is bounded to that particular product and asking them questions about that particular product and starting to surface 
the value props and like the point and like, why do it at Betterment? How is it different here? And that happens all the way from the ad to the landing page to sign up. Other times it's tougher because if someone just drops in on your you know homepage with no context otherwise, you have to do a little bit of digging to see where they're going, what they're looking at, and then see where they launch in to sign up or see what's going on. And we try to just keep slowly and in a paced way, reveal more and more of what's possible and what they can do. And, and the point of the platform is to provide a lot of guidance on top of this, right? So we, we open with those questions and people start to reveal their intent pretty quickly. And that allows us to really attack the problem. And we try to make sure that once you get in the platform, you're not then all of a sudden overwhelmed and like, oh, cool, now I'm in this thing. And now the other 80 things they didn't tell me about yet are buttons on the side that they want me to cross sell into. You have to pace it and you have to do it more slowly or they're just going to, they're just going to bounce. This is not e-commerce, which is where I came from before Betterment. It is not transactional. It is not quite the same. It is a very slow, thoughtful, considered purchase. And that just turns into a slow, thoughtful, growing relationship on the other side of the first purchase. And you have to treat it accordingly or they'll go well. No, that's great. And, and maybe we can dive into how you think about that adoption cycle, ultimately driving incremental value for the customer, having them investing more, opening a checking account, you know, using four. 401k, these are, are valuable products you know, you know, to the customer. And as people invest more, Betterment also makes more money and grows as well. You know, so how do you think you know, you know, exposing customers to products? And within that, how do you think about you know, the data that drives some of those customer segments, cohorts, and personas? Sure. Big question. So I'd start with, we think about just-in-time exposure right? We care a lot about financial education and better informing customers. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't expect a person to become an expert in absolutely everything and drive their own experience. And so imagine something very simple, right? Imagine you're on Betterment, you've got an investing account and you're going to deposit $100. You've got a little bit of money sitting in your account and you're like, I'm going to turn that you know, into Betterment and put it in my home down payment goal. Imagine if we just surface a little bit. Imagine if we surface before you do that confirmation of, hey, just click here and we'll turn it into a regular auto deposit. And maybe you're doing this on your own every two weeks because that's when you get paid. We'll just turn it into a biweekly auto deposit. But more than just, hey, give us more money and save more money. It's about putting it in the context of the goal. Hey, if you do this, you're this much more likely to achieve your house down payment goal. Maybe you're actually off track already. And this can help get you back on track if you do this more regularly. So providing just a little bit more of that. So that was like a little bit of deepening engagement with an existing product. But if you think about going another direction, you can start to hit on those sort of adjacent periphery products that might be being hit on to achieve this. So imagine you link that external funding account and let's say you link, I don't know, I don't want to pick on any banks, but you pick some big old like checking account at some existing bank and you use that to fund that hundred dollar deposit. What if we tell you, Hey, did you know you could avoid those international fees? If you actually used a Betterment checking account, something very personalized and something that person might already be thinking about, or, Hey, did you know we can do these transfers faster? If you use a Betterment checking account, or, Hey, did you know if you use our cash reserve product, it'll have even more FDIC insurance and it'll have a higher rate. And you have to find the right moments to surface those value props. So it's not just like this gross salesy, like desperate used car salesman situation. But if you do those at the right moments, you can find like pretty good efficacy. I'll give you a very different example coming in from a different channel. So imagine you're working somewhere and you get signed up for the Betterment 401k. And so it's all easy. It's all automatic. You log in, you've got this 401k, you have employee contributions 
coming in automatically from payroll. So you're not really having to do anything. You can go in and tweak them if you want. But imagine if in there we get to say, we see that you're saving well for your 401k. That's great. Did you know if you move your IRA over here or did you know if you open an additional taxable account, we can set you up for an even better retirement and we can actually optimize allocations and taxes across those. How nerdy we want to get in the messaging is like always a tenuous point and hard to really think through because the the math is hard to really explain how all that stuff works, but it's just, you're in this product for this reason. What are the complementary products that actually add incremental values? That's how we think about it. And then to get to the last part of your question on audiences, segments, that's just the next level on top of it. That's how you think about scaling those different marketing strategies. And for me, I like to think a lot about how do I put the best tools and the best data in the hands of those closest to the customer, closest to the problem, because they're going to have better ideas and be able to more rapidly test than anyone else in the organization. I want to look for members of our you know, CRM team to actually have access to combing through different audiences, creating different groups, seeing you know, how many customers on our platform are experiencing this product, or in this case, their goals are off track. They're using the 401k, but not also a taxable investing account for retirement, things like that. And then target messages towards those groups, whether it's outbound messaging like email or in-app messaging in the product itself. How are leading brands using data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market? Find out on Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Yep. No, it's a great point. I, I always joke when I reflect back to some of the, the motivations behind when we started the business that Simon, I remember having this lucid moment where I was you know, going through my personal email one morning and you know, spent about you know, three, four minutes deleting about 50 spam messages and, and spam is in the eye of the beholder. And, and, and within those 50 messages, there may be one or two that were relevant. Ultimately, marketing should be about in customer engagement and the life cycle and, and you know, in the value proposition for any business should be about driving value and not just pestering folks until they <laughs> get their attention and to, you know, hope that you, you may have you know, gotten their attention at the right time. And at the end of the day, to your point, if you can be thoughtful and then actually have the conversation at the right time about the right thing, you can actually get people's attention in a real way and then drive those business outcomes. And with that, there's always this question you know, around how you think about proactive engagement versus just allowing the customer to take their own tour and, and go at their own pace through what you currently have today from a product perspective. You know, how do you think about that mix between the general customer lifecycle and and what customers may discover on their own versus a more proactive approach around education and engagement you know, outside of just the, the core app, app, app or web. One of the things that's true about Betterment that I really love is we're really aligned with our customers, right? Betterment as a business does better when our customers do better, when they save more, when their investments return more, when they achieve their goals, these sorts of things. And I think a little bit of that critical mass and that mission-driven mentality pushes us to want to push our customers to do more each and every day, even if they're not ready for it. In the pursuit of that, though, we, and, and we really try to be mindful and pay attention to the obvious markers of, hey, how many 
people unsubscribed from that email <laughs> or from our email list after we sent that blast? Or what really happened after we sent that SMS campaign in terms of responses? Or can we see in the product that some folks actually stopped engaging? Like we turned them off. And so I think a little bit of it is I like to push the organization to go hard there, but be very, very mindful of when we maybe tip, tiptoed over the line just a little bit and pull back. So be aggressive, but make sure you were we're tempering ourselves as we learn. We stepped over the line a little bit there too. So one starting point is I like to push us. Another starting point is I, I think it's more of a spectrum than a dichotomy between the two, right? It's not just a proactive, oh, are we going to send emails or outbound comms? It's, you know, how aggressive is that messaging in the normal flows as a customer is choosing? I gave that example earlier of I'm going to go do a one-time deposit for $100. And I just told you, I wanted to shove a bunch of messaging in that experience, in that journey to tell the customer. As long as I don't make that upsell or that cross-sell the now main topic in the subject, as long as that's optional to engage with, it's not adding additional steps, as long as it's not too in the customer's face, we find really good engagement or at least not increased friction to where we're actually seeing drop off as a result. We're like, maybe they're just ignoring it, moving on with the objective they actually had in place. So we try to do quite a bit of both and we try to push reasonably hard because we want our customers to do more. And we just pull back as soon as we notice that we're, we're pushing them a little bit too hard. And we have to think about different customers, different ways, right? It's it's, this is back to the giving uh, our teams access to the tools, right? Sometimes you want to think about customers psychologically at different points in their tenure, right? Like the average customer at 30 days is feeling this, the average customer at 90 days is feeling this, but also seasonality matters a lot in our space. It doesn't really matter if you've been around for 30 days or 90 days or two years when it's three days before the tax filing deadline, everyone's in their panic and they're like trying to figure out if they still want to max out their IRA or they really need that statement because they've just realized they didn't actually hit submit on TurboTax and they need to do one more thing before they hit it. So we just have to approach it very differently and thoughtfully case by case, but it's a lot of both all the time. Uh, yep, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I always joke, so many businesses sort of ship their org chart to their customers. So when you think about how, how their product teams are organized and, and how marketing channels are owned within the business, at the end of the day, the customer actually doesn't care how the business is organized. They just want a single experience, a single brand and a single voice to the extent that it's unified. And obviously our thesis and, and where we focus is to you know, bring data to the center of that to unite every marketing channel you have from email and beyond, and then also coordinating into your digital experience. Experience. But at the end of the day, you know, ultimately, there, there are big people challenges there as well, to your point. One thing I'll sort of uh, highlight as to a message that you know, we worked with the team on was really just being a bit bespoke around some of these personal and financial goals. Obviously, to your, to your earlier point, if I'm trying to deposit 100 bucks a week into, into my investing account, that I may miss a week if I went and went out to dinner one too many times or whatever that might look like, you know, which is fine. But you know, you know, at the same time, I sort of expressed one of my goals was to actually keep this up and to put away 5,200 bucks a year, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe we can talk about you know, how you think about the conversation with the customer relative to some of the, some of the interactions they take you know, in the product, you know, some of the intentions they, they declare, and really just driving continuity there and making sure that the customers actually execute and follow through on what they uh, said that they might want to do. Sure. I think it's a good question. I think just to, to pick up with the example we've been using, I think 
For us, a starting point in that conversation is, so this is back to the, like, sometimes customers will organically discover like, oh, they went into the app. They're like, oh, this goal's off track. I should take action. Or we hit them proactively with that message. Like campaigns you're talking about is we're regularly on our, you know, CRM team looking at customers. Are their goals on track? Are they off track? And then sending messages to tell them how to get back on track. We're doing that outbound. What's really important, and, and also to your point, getting into a state where it's automated leads to a lot more success because yes, like whether or not you over, I don't know if it's overspent or underspent relative to your budgets, but it's just like you don't have the money or you forgot people get busy. Automation is really key. And for us, we have to make sure the product provides the tools to the customer so that they're actually able to stay on the road. So for example, when you set up that auto deposit, one of the things we used to see is that customers would run into that case with, oh, shoot, I love this. I just can't do it this week. And so they turn it off with the intention of turning it back on and never happens because of course, because life. And so what we actually added was a very simple piece of functionality where when you were going into that screen, you could just pause. You could skip one, skip two, just skip your auto deposit for a hot minute instead of turning it off and then having to manually turn it back on. Super simple, right? This is not that complicated. And the rate of folks sticking with auto deposit, like not churning out of that as a feature enablement rose dramatically. Like it's, it's like, like almost hilarious, right? How well that simple stuff actually works. And it also makes customers less grumpy because when you're pushing them to do these things and then you're just causing them more pain and work because your product's not enabling them to do it easily, you avoid a lot of that frustration and then your NPS goes up and people are happier and people engage and everyone wins. Yeah, I, I guess there's a reason why Steve Krug's you know, book on product design is, mm -hmm. is called Don't Make Me Think. That's absolutely it's a great anecdote. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's sort of everything for today. I think we're at time. Mike really enjoyed your being on the podcast and, and sharing your, your thoughts and wisdom with us. Jason, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.